Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Don't you take out those worship guides right there and bring out those sermon notes. And man, don't you take out that app on your phone. Open up that app. Make sure you find our message notes right there where you can follow along. We are in part five of a series we have called Battle Ready. Say Battle Ready. Where we are helping you win this war called spiritual warfare. We've been going verse by verse to the book of Ephesians chapter six. And I hope it's been helpful to you. If you've missed any of the messages, make sure you find them on YouTube and if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that. Make sure you subscribe. We got new content coming out every single week. We got leadership content. We got worship um, stuff that is dropping all the time. You need to be part of uh, our YouTube family, so check that out. But um, we're really, really um, pumped about what God is doing through this series and the life change that I'm hearing from you. So, man, make sure you keep writing me, keep sending me um, updates of what God's doing in your life. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 13. If you're there, if you see it in your notes, say a big yeah today. All right, verse 13, let's go. Put on the full armor of God. That's what we've been doing. So that when the day of evil comes, and some of you guys, you're in that day of evil right now. You're feeling the attack of the enemy. You're feeling it in your marriage. You're feeling it in your family. You're feeling your health. And it, it just feels evil right now. So what do we do? You may be able to stand your ground. Way too many Christians, they don't know how to stand when things are tough. And we're, we're teaching people to stand their ground. And after you've done everything to stand, then he says this again, then stand firm then. And then he tells us how to do it. I love this about the scriptures because God doesn't just give us a command without giving us the tools to accomplish that command. So he says, if you're going to stand, then you got to have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that last week. The idea that it is important that we live a life founded on truth in a world that is relative and you do you, I do me. Nobody knows what's real anymore. We said, no, no, no. We are not confused. We know what is real. We go to the life of Jesus. And if Jesus will do it. We'll do it. He's our standard of truth. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? So we give it, we gave out the WWJD bracelets. I hope you got your bracelet last week. Hope you've been rocking it all week long. If you didn't get one at whatever location you're at, you'd stop by the tents. And I think some of our locations ran out. So we'll make sure you, we have some for you today on your way out. But then it says, listen, you don't just need truth. It's all started with truth. But after you get that truth around your waist, then he tells us our next piece of armor that we're going to discuss today. And he says, you got to get the breastplate of righteousness in place. I don't know if I've ever heard a message about the breastplate of righteousness. I studied it all week long, and I'm going to help you today. So if you're taking notes, write it down. We're going to talk today about the breastplate of righteousness. Why do you need to have the breastplate of righteousness to walk in victory against the attacks of the enemy on your life? And as Paul was writing this, he's sitting in that prison cell writing to the church in Ephesus. And while he was writing, there probably was a, a Roman soldier standing there guarding him. The Roman soldiers looked a little bit something like this. Probably weren't as jacked as this guy, but you know that's the idea. And he had all the different pieces of armor and showed that belt right around there. That was that we talked about last week. That armor all together weighed about 70 pounds. And in that armor, most of the weight 
came from the breastplate. It was the idea that there was something that was covering his chest from his neck all the way down to his waist and wrapped around the back. Because how many know the enemy doesn't just attack you from the front, he'll attack you from the side and from the back like he's after your life. So why did they have the breastplate on? They would say it's the most crucial part of the armor and the reason why is because it would protect the most important part of you. So you can write it down in your notes because the breastplate is protection for your vital organs. So if the heart gets stabbed, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how strong you are, how rich you are, you dead if that happens. So you got to protect your heart. You got to protect your lungs. You got to protect the vital organs. So the most important thing for protection that the Roman soldier would have would have this breastplate that would go all the way around its chest. Today's example of that would be the bulletproof vest, which by the way, I sent some of you guys a text to try to find one of these and like a lot of people responded i'm like why do y'all all have like who's who's trying to kill you today what war are we in that i don't know about right now but anyway so so the bulletproof vest would be something like this i don't I, you know i don't have to wear bulletproof vest nobody's trying to kill me yet so uh <laughs> But, but I do have a little bit of experience with this, just so you know. I had to wear one one time when I was ministering in South Africa. And so you might think of the situation where, uh, you know, maybe it was a militant group or something that was trying to attack, but it wasn't that. I would like to say that was the story, but it wasn't. It was actually, I was working at an orphanage there and doing some ministry with some kids. And so for a day, we went to go play paintball together and they gave us a vest just like this to wear. And the goal was, hey, when you're, when you're attacking each other, you want to go for the kill shot. And the kill shot is, is on the chest. So that's where the vital organs are. That's where it is. So you're going to try to shoot them. And everybody had a different color. So we would know who kind of won based on how many people got the most amount of kill shots. So we break up. This is about, you know, a bunch of these, these kids from this orphanage. And so I'm ready to play. I've never done paintball before. And I've never done it again because of this moment that I had. Where we had this moment where we were shooting. And there's this one guy across there. And I shot him. And it hit, it hit his, little, his little guard here and, and, and his vest. And, and so, I mean, I got the point. And, and then another kid shot me, hit me from behind. And I could feel, oh, man, it hit. Oh, man, you got me. It was all fun and game. Until one time I was hiding behind one of the bushes and I'm sitting there hiding going, okay, I'm going to get these kids. And a kid comes around the bush and he sees me and he shoots me in the chest. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you got me. But then he decided to take it the next level and he moves it from the chest and starts hitting my body with this thing. I don't know if they gave him like a semi-automatic, like, do you have paintball guns that are automatic weapons? I don't understand. He starts just firing at me, boom, boom, boom. And it starts hitting me and I'm speaking in all kinds of tongues and different things in front of this kid. I t there's something that came out of me in that moment where I was like, this, the, 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 oh, you're gonna play like this. This is what you're gonna do. And I went crazy on these kids. I don't know why they haven't invited me back. It's been all like 15 years since I was there. Those kids are still scarred, I promise you, because I hit every one of them in every place possible. <laughs> this is what the vest does. This is what the breastplate does. That's why the Bible tells us above all else and everything you do in your life, above all else, guard your heart. Your heart. Yeah. 
Because we all know this, because once the heart goes, the rest of the body goes, because everything you do flows from it. So you need to have a breastplate on. If you're going to engage in spiritual warfare, you need to have a breastplate on that'll guard your vital organs so that you can do this thing through the long haul. And they tell us what the breastplate is in the scriptures. Paul tells us and says, your breastplate is this one word that is crucial. And I want you to get it in your notes. It's this word called righteousness. Righteousness. He says, what is going to guard the most important parts of you is this term called righteousness. Now, there could be, uh, there, this could be the most confusing word in all of the Bible when it comes to Christianity. Because it's all misused so many times. So I'm going to do my best over the few minutes that I have with you today to break down this idea of what righteousness actually is. It's actually kind of a dirty word in today's modern culture because we would say, oh, that person's righteous. And it actually means something bad. Like, oh, they're, they're, they're goody two-shoes. Oh, they're better than I am. No, no, that's not what righteousness is. In the Bible, righteousness was something to be achieved. It was something to go for. And it's actually something that'll guard your life. So I want you to get it down in your notes what righteousness is. Righteousness, and the simplest definition possible is this phrase, it's right living. It's I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna do the right thing even if nobody else sees it. I'm gonna live the way God wants me to live. I'm gonna date the way God wants me to date. I'm gonna talk the way God wants me to talk. I'm gonna spend my money the way God wants me to spend my money. It's right living. Another way to say it is I'm going to meet a standard. So we talked about this last week, how the, the, the belt of truth was an objective standard. So I'm going to meet the standard for my life. What is the standard that we're to go for? It's not what culture says. It's not what your pastor is. I'm, I'm not your standard. It's not what your friend is. Our standard is Jesus. Amen. So I'm going, to, I'm going to meet the standard of living my life the way Jesus lives his life. And man, I don't know about you. I haven't met that standard yet. Here, here's one more definition I want you to get. So it's right living. It's meeting the standard. And here's another one. It's simply, you're going to pass inspection. You're going to pass inspection. So this is crucial because we will not experience relationship with God without righteousness. So we have to pass the inspection. We have to live the way God wants us to live so that we can do what he's called us to do with our life. So we have to pass this inspection. It's, it reminds me of, of a first date. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on many first dates, but when you go to a first date, you're always looking to pass an inspection. So what you do is you realize you've got flaws and you don't want them to see your flaws. So what do you do? You try to overcompensate to make it look like that's not a flaw. For instance, uh, let's say you, you talk too much. And uh, so your goal for the first date would be that you're going to go to that first date and you're going to keep yourself from talking as much as possible and give him a chance to talk. I mean, or her a chance to talk to him, but you get the idea. <laughs> so you're going to have a moment where you're going you're gonna to pause and you're going to go, no, 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 no. I don't want them to know that. I don't want them to know, think I talk too much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reserved. I'm going to try to pass the inspection. Or, or let's say you talk too little. And then you're going to come to the date, and what are you going to do? You're going to try to, your hardest as you can to make sure you can have some conversation, have some cue cards. 
so what do you think about their local sports team? You know what I mean? Like you're gonna try whatever you can to create conversation. Why? Because you want to pass the inspection. You want them to like you, which by the way, just a little bit of dating advice. That's why you should never judge a person by the first date <laughs> because that's not who they really are. How many know it gets, you get a few months in and you realize, oh wait, they aren't the same person I went out with the first time because <laughs> you realize there was more there than you thought. So we're trying to do the same thing with our Christian life. We're trying to pass the inspection, but many times we're walking around trying to do it and going, man, look, I, I'm going to show myself that I don't have this flaw. I don't have this issue. And we think that's righteousness and that's not what real righteousness is. Yeah. Righteousness is actually being the real deal, really living the life that God wants you to live. And what's the promise from it? The promise from it is this, that righteousness guards the most vital parts of your life. So if you do the right thing, guess what? You are protected in your life. And this is important for us because many of us, we're so frustrated that life is not going the way we want it to go and people are breaking your heart and people are hurting your feelings and all of these issues are happening internally and you don't realize God's given us a protection to put over our life called righteousness. The Bible says it this way, righteousness guards the person of integrity. Guards them. You ever had those people that get so frustrated? Everybody's pointing out my flaws. Well, then don't have that flaw. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you, you get rid of the flaw, then guess what? Then, then, then we don't have to be frustrated anymore. Why? The issue is not us. The issue is your flaw. Yeah. You, you want to guard your life. You want to protect who you are. You got to be more righteous. Now, this is important because it'll guard your life. So if that's the case, then let's say it this way. If righteousness guards your life, then let's say that wrongness invites the enemy into your life. So I'll give you an example. Um, I, we bought some fruit the other day for the family. You know, you have good intentions. So I bought good intention fruit for our kids to eat healthy. And, and so it had, went into this fruit bowl. And then a few days later, uh, all these fruit flies were in our house. Now, I don't know about you guys, but like, we don't get like one or two. We get like a bunch of them. So I, I told Katie, I said, I, I'm so frustrated. It does not make sense how our house gets so many of these flies. And they're everywhere. Like we're going around our kitchen and we're like in the middle of the exodus. You know, it's like crazy. So I said, we're going to deal with this. Somebody had to have created something to solve this problem. So I go to Home Depot and I ask the person at Home Depot, what is the solution for this? And so they told me, they said, oh, oh, there's this great solution. You buy this little uh, light thing. It goes into your, your power, uh, your, your socket right there in your house. And when you plug it in uh, to the outlet, it turns on this blue light and it attracts the bugs and they stick to the back of it and they die. I said, perfect. They're like, it's like 30 something dollars. They're like, that's really expensive, but let's do it. So I buy this thing. I come home. I'm like, Katie, I solved the problem. Our house is going to be fly free. I'm ready for it. So I go and I plug this thing in. It is the most embarrassingly bright light right in our kitchen and blue light that's like you know uh it's it's everybody can see it it lights up the whole house at night but i go and plug it in and the next morning i go to check because i'm all excited because the back side of this thing is all sticky so i pull it back and i look and it's covered in fruit flies victory i got them destroyed those things except for the problem is there was more fruit flies flying around my house the next day than there was the day before because I didn't realize that I could take this tool and I could kill these fruit flies, but if I didn't get rid of the rotten fruit in my house, they'd keep coming back every day. 
there's a lot of Christians that are listening to me right now and you're going, give me the tool to find victory from the enemy. Here's the tool. Get the rottenness out of your life. Get some righteousness in your life and watch how the enemy will leave. Listen, the the roaches, the gross stuff, it's always going to be attracted to the simple fact that you got some trash in there that you need to get rid of. And and listen, I don't have to send an invitation to these guys. Let me just write it on your notes this way. The enemy's invasion always started by an invitation. And a lot of you guys are going, well, I didn't ask for this. Of course you didn't ask for it, but your lifestyle did. A little tough preaching, but I get it. We're We're going a little deeper this summer. I just think there's some people that you don't understand that the way you're talking and the stuff you're listening to and the shows you're watching, it's an invitation to the enemy into your life. Write it down your notes this way. Unrighteousness is an invitation for the enemy to attack your life. So instead of sitting there and going, please give me some tool to get rid of the enemy, I'm going to talk to you about how to guard your life and to protect yourself from the enemy by this thing called righteousness. And we got to figure out what it is and how you can achieve it so that you're actually the real deal and you can be who God's called you to be. So three things on righteousness I want you to get. Number one, I want you to understand that righteousness, it can be faked. And a lot of you guys are really good at that. But I want you to understand it can be faked, but God nor the enemy is fooled. And if we're going to understand righteousness, we have to get to the fact that, man, a lot of people are trying to achieve this thing. So we're trying to do what we do on that first date and act like we're something that we're really not. And in reality is, man, we might, you might have fooled a lot of people. You might have fooled your spouse. You might have fooled your friend. But I'm telling you, you can't fool God and you can't fool the enemy. Right. So he knows what's, who you really are. It reminds me, at my house, if you go hang out at my house, we have multiple floors and it's the best thing. Whoever designed our, my house is a genius because what they did is they put all the kids' bedrooms on the top floor. So when you walk into the house, it's like the common areas. It's the kitchen. It's the, the living room. It's, it's awesome. So you go there and if you come over to my house, people are like, oh, man man, it's so clean. And I'm like, yes, it's just always this way. (laughs) That's not true at all. What they're doing is they're only seeing a portion of it that we spent eight hours cleaning right before you got there. But the reality is that they go upstairs, it's a wreck. And, and those kids' rooms are all a disaster. So that's kind of the way we live. It's like, man, they, you know, the stuff's up there, it's out of the way. We don't even care about it. It looks good for guests. That's how a lot of Christians live their life. Like, I've got, I'm a mess, but I look good at church. And it's like, hey, well, everybody's happy with me. But God knows what's really going on behind the scenes. So my kids have learned this, this uh, method of cleaning also, which is, you know, parents, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So our kids, our kids have started doing what, what we do. So now I go upstairs and I'm like, is your room clean? They're like, yeah. So I, I peek in the room and it looks great. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Cleaned it great. So then weeks go by and, and they can't find any of their clothes. They run out of underwear. They can't find their shoes. I don't know about your kids. My kids, they don't lose two shoes. They lose only one of their shoes. Like it drives me nuts. So finally, I'm, I'm really frustrated. This is about three weeks ago. I go up to the room and I'm going, I don't understand how so much stuff is lost. Y'all always put your stuff away. Your room is all clean. And then I realized, wait, I just thought it was clean. 
And then I looked under the bed and clothes were smashed underneath the bed. I looked in the closet and what I saw was good until I pulled back the hanging clothes and saw where they had thrown all their stuff behind there. I pulled back the, the, the furniture and I went all beast mode, dad mode. Forget Pastor Aaron. I was dad Aaron at that moment. And I'm taking all this stuff and I'm throwing it all in this big pile. And I'm like, you will put this stuff away nicely. You will put it all away. We're no longer cleaning so it looks good. We're cleaning so that it is good. There's a big difference in that. And I want you to know, this is what God has called for our life. He doesn't want you to act like a Christian. He wants you to be one. Like we don't have to fake this thing anymore. And you go, well, I got it all together. I am good. No, no, no. We all got issues in our life. We all got stuff that's been hidden away and struggles in our life. Romans 3.10 says it like this way. There's none righteous, not even one of us. So we all got stuff in our life that we need to deal with. And, and, And if we don't deal with this stuff, then here's what we do. We end up making Christianity this idea that Jesus came so that we can look right. He didn't come so you can look right. He didn't come so that you can have a better version of your previous life. That's not why Jesus came and died on the cross. Let's set the record straight here. Jesus didn't uh, come so he makes some people that were bad a little bit good. He came people to see people who were dead, make them live again, give them new life, wholeness in Jesus. So, so you have to understand this. Listen, because, write it on your notes, because Jesus didn't come to help you manage your sin. And that's what we will make Christianity all about is just some sin management. We're moving it from under the couch to now behind the dresser to in the closet. And we're just managing our mess. And that's how you feel. You're always managing mess after mess after mess. And that's not why Jesus came. Let me tell you, he didn't come to help you do sin management. He came to help you have victory over sin. You don't have to fake righteousness. You can be righteous in Jesus' sight. Come on, give him better praise than that at every location. victory over sin no matter what you're going through. And I want to give somebody hope today. You don't have to fake it any longer. You can have victory over that addiction, victory over those issues, victory over that struggle. You can be righteous. Number two, and I want you to get this, number two is that righteousness is first embraced, not earned. This is important for us because if we don't get the theology correct on this, we will try to fix ourselves not realizing that in order to be righteous, you have to first become righteous and that has to be a gift from God. So we're getting this all messed up. So I'm going to help you with a little bit of theology here. Everybody's like, Pastor, take us deeper. All right, here's your moment, okay? We're going to go a little deeper. So some of this you might zone out for, but I want you to, I want you to write it down. This is important. Because righteousness, and here's a theolo- theological term, ready, is both imputed and it's imparted. Now, you might go, what does that even mean? Let me help you with this, Okay. Because this is going to help some of you guys figure out why you are not changing and why you're not becoming all that God's called you to be and why the enemy keeps attacking your life. So let me explain it. Imputed righteousness means that righteousness is given to us at the moment of our salvation. So you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. When you committed your life to Christ, you get, get imputed. You get righteousness immediately. Now, that, there's a theological term for this that you might have heard before, but I want you to write it down. And here's the term. It's justification. Justification. Now, this has been a big thing that's been fought for thousands of years of church history on this idea that when you get saved, 
you experience justification, imputed righteousness, which means this. It means just as if I had never sinned. That's the best definition, by the way, for justification. It's just as if I never sinned. So when you accept Jesus in your life, he, God no longer looks at you through the past sin. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ. So he looks at you and he goes, I, I don't even see any sin there. It's just as if you had never sinned. You have imputed righteousness in your life. That is good news for all of us. Let me show it to you in scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might become what? The righteousness of God. In other words, you don't have to work for it. You have to embrace it that when I get saved, I become righteous in God, not because of my works, but because of his works. This is what Martin Luther discovered 500 plus years ago. It's man, I can't work my way. I can't give my way. I can't serve my way. I can only receive my way into heaven. And that is through the work of Jesus on the cross 2000 years ago. That is imputed righteousness. First Peter 2.24 says, he himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. And then look, now we can live in righteousness. How do we live in that? Because we have first been made righteous. It is not earned, it is embraced. And you go, well, Aaron, that sounds awesome. Then why do I still have a messed up life? Let me explain it to you. Because you are more complex than you think you are. Some of y'all are sitting next to someone going, yeah, they are. But let me explain it. Okay, you're actually broken down into three different parts of your body. Your body's broken down into three areas. And the first one is your body. It's your flesh. It's your physical side. And this is the side that has those tendencies. It has those struggles. It has those temptations. And your flesh needs to be born again. This is super important for people to understand because they get their flesh mixed up with their spirit and they go, but I still struggle in my flesh. And let me just say this in a very kind and nice way. You will until you die. You will always. Because your flesh will not be born again until we get a new heavenly body one day in eternity. And when you do that, you won't have those temptations anymore. You won't have those tendencies. You won't have those urges. You won't, you'll have a perfect body, but until heaven, you're going to struggle with your flesh. That is a normal part of living. That's why the Bible tells us, here's what you do with your flesh. You crucify it every single day. And you have to do that. You have to deny your flesh. So you have your body, but then you also have your soul. Your soul would be your mind, your will, your emotions, okay? This is important for you because this is what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks when it comes to the helmet of salvation. Your mind isn't crucified. Your mind is transformed. So you do not conform to the patterns of the world. Instead, you'd be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because as your mind goes, your man follows. The body follows. So a lot of you guys are trying to control your flesh without first transforming your mind and it's never going to work for you. You got to get the order right. Yes. But then you stop there because a lot of y'all like, if I just think a happy thought, Here, here's the spiritual movement out there today. If I just meditate on the right things, then my mind is renewed and my body will be okay. And you're missing a key component of who you are because you have a third part and it's called your spirit. This is the eternal part of who you are. When we say, hey, have you given your heart to Christ? 
That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual decision to give your life to Christ. And this is important because if you don't get the spirit transformed, then you can't transform the soul that'll transform the body. And if you're doing it out of order, here's what you'll do. You'll live frustrated, but righteousness has to start in your spirit. It has to start in the idea of have you been transformed? Have you accepted what Jesus gave? you on the cross because when you get saved this is what the bible tells us your heart gets born again and you get a fresh start you don't get a new body you don't get a new mind your heart gets saved and then your body and mind have to follow so are you righteous yes do you need to become righteous yes all of it's the truth are you saved or are you being saved both always my spirit is saved my body and my soul are being saved every single day both are important in your life but it has to start with the fact have you been saved so i'm going to ask you a question and i want to look right at the camera so that i get everybody's eye contact on this because this is could be the most important question i've ever asked in the history of radiant church and i want you to hear it because there's a lot of people here And you're trying to think the right way and you're trying to act the right way. But I have a question for you. Have you been born again? I want you to think about that. Has your spirit been born again? I don't don't want you to sit there and go, oh, well, I try to do the right stuff or I try to think the right way. No, 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 no. Have you had an experience with God? where you've given Jesus your life in full control and given him your heart and say, God, I'm totally all in on this thing with you. And until you have that moment, I want you to understand this, until righteousness has been embraced, you can never experience righteousness in the rest of your life. And until you experience it in the rest of your life, you will always be a target for the enemy. Because remember, the enemy only comes through invitation and the invitation for the enemy in your life is unrighteousness. I hope you're learning something today. We gotta learn this idea. So have you been? Have you experienced that? And if you haven't, I want you to know you can experience it and you can experience the imputed righteousness that comes through justification and experience where you give your life to Christ and everything is different. And I'm thankful for Jesus for the way he saved me. Amen. But it doesn't start, stop there. It's imputed righteousness is where it starts. And then there's imparted righteousness. And here's what imparted righteousness is. And we'll close this thing out. It's stuff that's, it's your righteousness that's worked out every day after salvation. So I'm not gonna just do it once. I'm gonna work it out every day, every moment. I'm gonna let this stuff get worked out. And here's the biblical term for this one. Ready, write it down. It's sanctification. It's the idea that I'm gonna let God do a deep work in my life. It starts with the spirit and then works into the rest of my life. Number three, if you're gonna understand righteousness and let it be a protection over the most pivotal crucial parts of your life. The number three is you got to understand righteousness transforms us from the inside out. So a lot of you guys are trying to be righteous in your body and you're trying to be righteous in your mind, but it's got to start with the spirit man. It's got to start with the spirit man. But if it does start with the spirit man, don't let it stop there. Let it now affect every other area of your life. So let what he did in you, let the imputed righteousness be a righteousness that now from justification works out now in sanctification to every different area of my life. Let me show it to you. Ephesians 4 talks about sanctification here. Look at it. It says, it says that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. 
and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. We all know that. You know what's right. You're just not doing it. So you know it's the right way to live. And it's deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self, look at this, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there is a righteousness I have embraced and now there is a righteousness that I will work out to make sure that it affects my soul and it affects my body, but it can't start outside in. It has to start inside out. That is what God has called us to do. And I believe it's what he's calling for your life today. So how do we make this super practical as we close this thing out? Well, let's just make it real. Whatever you feed grows. And whatever you starve dies. So some of you guys, you're just feeding negative thoughts. And your soul is getting negative and negative and negative. It's just growing and growing and growing. Some of y'all are feeding your flesh. And you wonder, you're like, I just can't find victory. You're feeding the wrong thing. So here's what you got to feed. You got to feed your spirit. How do you feed your spirit? You come to church. You read your word. That's why the most important thing you do every day is not your family time. It's not your work. It's not your board meeting. It's not, and none of that's the most important thing you do. The most important thing you do is your time with Jesus every day. Yes. It feeds your spirit. And I just get this, because when you feed your spirit, the result is righteousness. Write it on your notes that way. It's righteousness. But when you feed your flesh, the result is rottenness. Righteousness protects the believer rottenness invites the enemy in to attack your life. One is protection. One is an invitation. Which one are you allowing in your life today? Let's be a church that is living right. Now this can be very frustrating because we can try it and we can fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. So let me give you my last two cents on this. I have good news for you. Ready? The same Jesus that saves us is the Jesus that sustains us and sanctifies us. And in many of you today, you're so frustrated, you're going, I just don't know how to change. Well, I have good news for you. It starts from the inside and goes out. So the same Jesus that you gave your trust to to save you is the same Jesus that'll sanctify your life and work all those other things out of your life. So, so let me give it to you in a good little example before we close today. I, uh, I love Uber Eats. I, I get Uber Eats a lot um, at food delivery. It's a great invention. I'm so super excited. After our third service here at South Tampa, I always order Uber Eats and to deliver food. It's always one of the highlights of my day. And so Katie and I like it. Even when we're on like vacations, we'll like, we'll do Uber Eats. And so we were together um, on some kind of trip. And so I was like, let's order some food. So we go to order some food. Our bill's about $45. And I go to the bottom to go pay for it. And I see my credit card there. But then I saw where I can switch it over because I had Uber Eats credit. Now, I don't know there was Uber Eats credit on this thing. So I switched it over and saw that I had a $100 Uber Eats credit. So I was like, what in the world? So I went and did a little bit of research and found out that one of you guys who I love so much, close to my heart, um, sent Katie and I a $100 Uber Eats card so that we could buy some food after the baby was born. Which by the way, if you're looking for a good gift for your pastor, <laughs> slide that in there, right there. Uber Eats, we like that. But anyway, so I, I told Katie, I said, Katie, this is so crazy. I said, there's a bill that I have 
for $45. But there's a credit that covers that bill in there. But the credit doesn't only cover the bill, it also covers future bills that I would have because there's more than I actually need. I want you to know that's what it's like to follow Jesus. You get saved and he covers your past sin, but he also has enough credit for you to cover every future issue, every future decision. Oh, come on, stay to your feet. Give him better praise than that today. Now it's our moment to say, God, whatever you want to do, sanctify my life, change my life. I want to be righteous from the inside out. Come on, let's sing it out together. important moment where you let the Holy Spirit just pinpoint different areas of your life that maybe you swept under the rug and you've attitudes and behaviors that you just you haven't been been living right with and he's not revealing it to shame you he's never done that he's revealing it to help change you so that you can be all that he's called you to be so just ask the Lord right now say God I want to be righteous I want to live right so I don't have to fake it anymore. I want to be the real deal. Just to open ourselves up to saying, God, whatever you want to do to sanctify my life, tell me to be more and more like Jesus. I'm available for you today. While you're praying that prayer, there's another group that's here today and you've never been born again. It's pointless for you to try to change your mind and change your body if your spirit hasn't been transformed. And only God can transform the spirit. He came and he died so that you can have a new heart, a new spirit, a fresh start. The Bible says he wants to make you into a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can be righteous right here in this moment, justified, just as if you had never sinned before. But it starts with a serious decision for you to submit your life to Christ. This isn't a, a, a just random, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. No, 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 this is a decision to go, yo, I'm going all in with God. I want to be born again. I'm giving him my full trust, my full faith. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to make him my Lord and Savior. This is your moment to be born again. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. I want you to wave it at me. Put it right back down. It's your day of salvation. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, throw those hands up. That's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you in the back. Thank you right here. Thank you. This is a big day. This is the day of saying, I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm surrendering everything I have to him. I want you to pray this prayer, all of us, out loud, together. And let's mean it from our heart, from our spirit. Come on, let's let it affect the rest of our life. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud, dear Jesus. Today, I give you my heart, my past, my present, and my future. Forgive my sins and give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. 
I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agrees says, come on, let's celebrate those lives that were just changed right there. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.